I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the wonderful sounds of nature. It's Christmas. Baby, please come home. Hey everybody, it's the Wrestling Life, it's episode 220, it is December 19th, 2019, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, so damn much to talk about this week. <laughs> yes, it's our final show of 2019, of the decade in fact. Our final and... show, oh, just of the decade, okay. Yes, <laughs> so far. <laughs> we'll see, but anyway, right. uh, and uh, we, as you mentioned... So much to talk about, and in fact, as always, as every show that we've ever done, there is so much that we can't <laughs> talk about. Uh, there was a TLC show this past weekend. Uh, there was no stairs match, uh, but as a bonus, and because it's Christmas, and it's a yearly tradition, and it happened to me around this time of year, I had a shoot stairs match one time. And so every year around this time on the show, I plan to tell what, again, I have no, I have no self-esteem. So this is not like me being uh, uh, hyperbolic. This is a fact. It is the greatest story in the history of this show. And uh, <laughs> I will tell it about my shoot stairs match uh, at the, at the end of this broadcast. That's, but first, that's the main event. <laughs> at first we have a lot of TLC to get to. And, TLC was a tale of two shows. There was the pre-show match and the first two matches on the main card. And then there was a deep, 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 steep fall off a cliff. <laughs> and then the rest of the show, which was just a disaster. Big picture TLC thoughts from you. Did you uh, do you share that opinion? Yeah, that's, that about covers it. I didn't see the pre-show match, but I... And actually, funny story, didn't see the second uh, match, the Aleister Black match either. What? Uh, which... Which brings me to a story uh, that I have to tell uh, that happened to me this past Sunday. Um, so I, I turned on TLC, main show, starting off the ladder match. And like a minute in, I hear Michael Cole say that the TLC is WWE's version of the Demolition Derby. Which he says every year. It's not the first <laughs> time I've heard him say it. Right. But when I heard it, I was like, I need to drink. I need to drink if I'm going to watch this whole show. <laughs> And for the record, this is not me bragging about drinking alcohol. I'm over 21 years old. There's probably nothing lamer than an adult man or woman bragging about legally consuming alcohol. So to glare, I'm not bragging. I was just like, I just I want to drink some beer because that'll make this show go by quicker or at least be less annoying to me. I can't I can't take my Coca-Cola sober tonight. So sounds like you got a. Sorry, sounds like you got a problem, but go ahead. Well, all right, let's. That's a different show. Um, <laughs> so I I get in my car after the ladder match, which was a very very good match, a very fun match. I love that they they tried to tell an actual story. They tried to have an actual wrestling match involving ladders instead of just doing the stunt show stuff. Really yeah. well done. Well, you know, we tr- we always try to at least point out the the silver linings <laughs> and all the dark clouds of wrestling we talk about. So I want to give them credit, but I was like, all right, that match is over. I'm going to go. I'm going to run to the liquor store. There's a liquor store two minutes from my house. Just going to get some beer, come back, watch the rest of the show. Get to the first liquor store. It's closed. 
This is at like seven o'clock, by the way. It's not like it's midnight, but apparently that's the time this liquor store closes. It's seven p.m. on Sunday nights. Fine. Sure. So I drive to another liquor store. There's so many liquor stores where I live. Um, <laughs> so I just drive to the next one, the next closest one. It also is closed and closes at 7 p.m. At this point, I'm furious. All I wanted <laughs> was some G-damn beer. And Mike, Michael Cole is ruining my evening. Because now I'm just driving all over Bel Air. Finally, go to a 7-Eleven. They have beer. I buy it. Come back drink a lot of beer but because of all the extra driving i had to do uh i was low on gas so the next morning as i woke up mildly hung over due to all the beer i drank i uh was late for work because i had to get gas and the reason i had to get gas was because i had to do extra drive more driving than i expected to have to do because I had to drive around to three different places to find my beer. So I just wanted to tell the story of how Michael Cole ruined my evening and, in fact, my Monday morning as well uh, by referring to TLC as WWE's Demolition Derby. That bastard. <laughs> that rat bastard. This is as good a time as any to point out um, that Alcoholics Anonymous has a website. No, actually, I was okay. going to point out... I was going to point out, actually, that... Uh, the Michael Cole Corey Graves team is my second least favorite team ever, uh, broadcasting team ever. Uh, the Michael Cole, and obviously, you know, we're not Cole haters here on the show. We point out when he has a good right. night, which is about twice a year, but we point <laughs> out when he has a good night. Uh, but uh, the the worst broadcast team ever was Michael Cole and Jonathan Coachman, who tried to ruin. Uh, WrestleMania 24, <laughs> <laughs> Ric Flair's retirement match, Edge and Undertaker in the main event. They just tried to ruin it. Uh, but this, the Graves and Cole team, it's just two assholes yelling at you for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it is so bad. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. And uh, it ruined my evening. But to be fair, Michael Cole and Corey Graves were not the worst part of the TLC show, as it turned out. No, 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 no. But, and they weren't the only bad announcers on the show. You missed the Black and uh, Buddy Murphy match, which was good. Except for the fact that um, Alistair, uh, yeah, Alistair Black wore trunks that looked like they had a uh, poop stain on the back of them. <laughs> they were green. They were, they were pea green. With a big black splotch right on the ass, <laughs> which made it look like he had had an accident in his trunks, uh-huh. and and then he he broke his nose or bloodied his nose pretty severely. And the announcers, I guess, were told in the production meeting. But the story of this match, uh, the story of this match is going to be that we're going to work over Alistair Black's jaw because I guess he missed time with a broken jaw, although I'm not sure they ever said it was because of a broken jaw on television. Regardless, they decided, the the announcers were told that uh, we're, buddy, Buddy's going to work over his jaw. Right. So Alistair Black breaks his damn nose. <laughs> There's just blood everywhere. And Jerry Lawler starts screaming, is uh, or sorry, Vic Joseph starts screaming, Buddy Murphy working over Alistair Black's jaw. And Jerry Lawler, 
who stopped trying 20 years ago, but is by default like the second or third best announcer in the entire company, says, forget his jaw. Guy's broken his nose. There's blood everywhere. He broke his (laughs) nose. To which Vic Joseph responds, be that as it may, King, the real story here is the jaw. (laughs) Jeez. what is wrong? What is wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I know Vic Joseph's just doing what he's told, but it's so dumb and so bad. Yeah, that's another thing. That's that's. I mean, again, as you mentioned, that's that's a thing. I know Cole. There's, uh, you know, if you watch an old Raw or, or something, you you'll hear like Cole calling spots before they actually happen because mm-hmm. he's reading off notes or something. That's. But as as you're you're saying, it's kind of commonplace for a lot of WWE announcers. But especially when something like that, you can basically still tell the same story of, yeah, he's being worked over. His face is being worked over. Just incorporate that into the story to say, yes, not only does he have a hurt jaw, but now he also can't breathe because he's his nose is bloody. Like just add you can add the bloody nose into your story, but basically trying to outright ignore it to talk about whatever your pre-planned talking points are is just that's that's terrible terrible announcing yeah uh speaking of terrible uh, bray wyatt and daniel uh, bray wyatt and the miz happened on this show (laughs) and it's really unclear from the execution whether they're trying to do some kind of jekyll and hyde split personality deal here with the fiend and bray wyatt and really who could possibly care (laughs) <laughs> but Daniel Bryan returned on this show, uh, looking 15 years younger with a new haircut. Um, I don't know. Maybe that program will get better. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't get what any of this is anymore. <laughs> uh, I, by that I mean the wrestling business in general. But um, no, I it, we kind. It seemed like we kind of had it figured out where Bray Wyatt is like this kooky guy and then he has this alternate persona that comes out and wrestles all his matches for him in the fiend but now regular bray wyatt has his own feuds and and wrestling matches um so yeah i don't i don't know and but it's like if they're gonna start saying the fiend is a separate character that would be fine except bray wyatt is the universal champion because the fiend beat seth rollins so you right. can't like now start saying that they're separate characters or that like Bray doesn't realize that he's the fiend or something because it's like he has the belt because the fiend won the belt from Seth. So I I don't know. As always, you're 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 generally punished for paying attention to this stuff. So who knows? I don't know. They have they have maybe we can work Abyss and Joe Park into this somewhere. And we can and we can get uh, Mayor Glenn to come back and do corporate and Demon Glenn, mm. and uh, we can just get all we can just get a big split personality fest going. Cool. I guess obviously the most notable thing about TLC was the women's uh, tag match main event, uh, and the Kyrie insufferable Sa- discourse around it. <laughs> it's all real bad, man. Uh, yeah, Kyrie Sane got hurt pretty bad, and I don't know. What are we going to add to this discourse? <laughs> I mean, yeah, other than recapping, yes, yeah, she was hurt. They kept going. 
this is not a, a Charlotte problem, but obviously Charlotte has had issues in her matches before where she's been careless. Um, it's not exactly 100% clear who's when it happened or whose fault it was or, or what exactly happened on what spot, but it's very clear that like she's running away. Kyrie's like running away from chair shots and really doesn't want to go up for a power bomb. And Charlotte makes her go up for the power bomb anyway. And, and, and I don't think it was Charlotte being unprofessional or being a jerk. I know there's the spot where like she tries to go for the spear and Kyrie doesn't really sell it. And, and, Charlotte like swipes at her and like that's that doesn't look good but like I I thought it was just that's what you're trained to do is you do your spot and then you just move on to your next planned spot and so I, I didn't take it as necessarily Charlotte being like a jerk or being unprofessional so much as her just doing what she thought she should do which is just soldier on because we've got 18 more spots to do before we go to the finish that's fair. And could you make the point that you made to me uh, offline about really the the fatal flaw in the design of this match? Yeah, uh, maybe just in general, you shouldn't put together a match where like 85% of the bumps are on the floor outside of the ring. Yeah, that was pretty, it was pretty egregious. Most of the bumps in the match, like at least 85%, I can't think of too many that happened in the ring. <laughs> Other than, like, the finish of Becky being pulled off the ladder into the ropes or whatever, and maybe one or two other spots where somebody was climbing and, and knocked up. But that's the other thing, and people have pointed this out, is that there wasn't a lot of, like, climbing the ladder in the match. It was mostly just, we do spots, then you get up and you do a spot. And as we mentioned, they were all pretty much on the floor. So it's just, you're kind of asking for trouble when you're you're doing all that stuff, and you're just... It was just, it was just, it was a mess of a match. I don't think it was a good match before Kyrie got hurt, but once she was hurt and they just tried to keep going, it got worse to say the least. Yeah, they took a lot of bumps on the floor and a lot of bumps on furniture. Like, mm-hmm. it, not good, not good. Uh, anything else on TLC? Not, not really. I guess we'll, we'll. Uh, we've got the holiday week of pre-taped WWE programming coming up, and uh, so I don't imagine we'll we'll get much storyline development over the next couple of weeks, and uh, and then I guess pretty soon in the new year it'll be time for Royal Rumble season. So, but yeah, this this show itself, man, it was uh, it was not good. I don't think it's like the worst show ever. It might be the worst WWE show of the year. I. I'm not going to go back and check what else. <laughs> I don't, but most WWE shows this year, I remember, have been long and mostly forgettable. And this one was like straight up bad. So it did stick out to me as maybe the worst WWE show this year. But I don't know, man. Like, it's, it was, I just chalk it up mostly to a lot of bad nights at the office for a lot of people. Yeah, I know you don't watch the Saudi shows. Uh, the Saudi shows all suck. <laughs> like, okay. there's like this. At least the first two matches were good. It's like those Saudi shows. There are no good matches on them, <laughs> except <laughs> like Cesaro and Mansoor have had the greatest match in the history of the Arabian Peninsula, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like three and three quarter stars or something. You know, <laughs> like yeah, those shows are so bad. 
and I put them on because I feel like it's my job to watch them. And it takes me just days and days and days <laughs> to get through them because I put them on and then I fall asleep. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's real bad. Uh, Raw this week, not a lot of people watched it. I know you didn't either. <laughs> uh, it, it did a record low number for non-holiday Raw, so a lot of people uh, shared your uh, shared your opinion. <laughs> I watched a lot of this show. They did an hour-long gauntlet match without a finish. There's a lot of bad crap on this show. There's Becky Lynch cutting a promo that uh, I think we were kind of split on. Uh, she's tr- she's going to wrestle Asuka. It looks like the Royal Rumble. And she's trying to make a story out of <laughs> out of not being given a story is my take on this. Uh, they're they're kind of doing a callback to Oscar beating Becky last year at the Royal Rumble, but I, I feel like the execution has been clumsy. But I think Becky's trying to make chicken salad here. What do you think? Yeah, I thought her delivery was good, and I thought the end of the promo was really good, where she kind of. Uh, you know, she changed around and and said, you know, I I always say my opponents need me because I'm the one that brings all the hype and the excitement. But no, I need you. I need to beat you. I thought I thought she did as good a job as anyone on main roster WWE television has done in a while of making me care about a win or a loss um, and why that matters to her. Um, I didn't care for the lines at the start of the promo about how she thought being put in the tag division was the powers that be trying to hold her back. Although again, she did sort of say, well, I thought it was that and it wasn't that. So it's, it wasn't egregious. Like I said, I didn't, I don't care for all of, of the verbiage used and I don't care for, even if it's true, I don't generally think it's a good idea to be like, to have people go like, yeah, I was at a tag. I was wrestling for the tag team championships what a loser I am for only being able to wrestle for the tag team championships. But in general, I thought the end of the promo was good and she did a good job explaining why she wants to wrestle Asuka and why this is gnawed at her for a while. And Randy Orton and AJ Styles are very competent professional wrestlers (laughs) and had a very good main event that had an awesome finish. That was a callback to a tag match they had more than two and a half years ago. So that was a rare instance where paying attention and uh, you were rewarded for paying attention and being a long ter- a long time fan. Yeah, and uh, we don't we don't see good Randy too much anymore. So <laughs> or good uh, AJ or good AJ for that matter. Yes, as uh, as I'm uh, on the front lines of that of the AJ's not good anymore uh, movement. But yeah, good good. To, at least they, tr- you know, at least they tried. They still had some pride in their work and went out there and, and did their best to save a show that was, by all accounts, not very good otherwise. Yep. Uh, by the way, if you if you haven't checked it on, out on the network yet, I highly recommend The Table for Three with Sting, Jeff Jarrett, and AJ Styles talking <laughs> TNA. I did watch some of this. I haven't watched the whole thing. Okay. My my big takeaway from the show is that Sting's memory is completely shot. Yes. <laughs> and the only thing he can talk he remembers from TNA is doing the Joker Sting. Yes. I think <laughs> so he, he remembers talk- the Jeff Hardy incident too. I think yeah. those are the two yep. that he remembers. I don't know if it's a memory shot thing or uh he just really doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> 
and so you, you like forget about everything to do with wrestling the minute it's over. <laughs> yes, but either either way, or or a little both, but either way, uh, yes, yeah, Sting just loves to bring up the Joker Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, Wednesday Night War this week. I watched AEW. What did you watch? I watched a little bit of both. Um, NXT had obviously a very big show. They opened with a commercial-free Adam Cole versus Finn Balor NXT title match. That was really good. Uh, I didn't care for the finish. It was a very main roster finish where Finn Balor has the match won, and then Johnny Gargano walked out on the stage, and Finn Balor stared at him like an idiot and then got uh, low-blowed and hit with Adam Cole's finish. Uh, so didn't care for the finish, but I thought the match itself was really good. And then the main event of NXT was, in fact, Rhea Ripley winning the NXT Women's Championship. And uh, they did the, one of my favorite things in wrestling, which is when they, when the like the whole main roster and even some of the fans from from around ringside uh, came in the ring to celebrate with her. Uh, so uh, NXT was a was a pretty darn good show from what I saw. I saw some of AEW, but why don't you take us through the the ups and downs of, of AEW this week? I would say the ups from AEW were pretty much everything that happened in the ring. Uh, all of the matches uh, were mm-hmm. either they were either good or were they accomplished what they were trying to accomplish, and all of the angles were the dirt worst. So. <laughs> So when I saw the AEW, uh, I did. I saw the Jericho and Jungle Boy stuff, which I thought was fine. Yeah. Um, first chapter of what will, I would assume will be a long-term story. Sure. And I, I enjoyed for what it was. It was not spectacular, but I liked the Chris Statlander, uh, Doctor Britt Baker match. I thought it was maybe Doctor Britt Baker's best match in AEW so far. And then. I also saw a lot of Brandy Rhodes and Awesome Kong on this show. Yeah. And uh, I did not care for that. Yeah. Um, This is not my point. I forget who I saw making this point. Uh, I want to credit them. So if you happen to know or if you happen to read the same thing at some point, please chime in. But um, I read someone point out that the character that Brandy Rhodes is trying to pull off has a very high degree of difficulty. And she's not a seasoned television performer, and she and she's trying to pull this off on national television, uh, and it's uh, it's really not good. Um, and they just and double, she, they she double and triple. St- sorry, yeah. No, they double and triple download every week, and I like I don't understand the spot where she takes her skirt off. I'm not sure if that's supposed <laughs> to be like a power move or I, I just don't understand it because I don't think it, it helps what she's trying to do. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also like little things like last week, she cut a promo where she just kind of buried most of the other women. And it's like, I think a fair critique of AEW so far has been that their women's division is not strong and hasn't been focused on very well. And so when she's like talking about how Riho is the champion, but she's never on the show and she's irrelevant and how (laughs) Britt Baker cares more about who her boyfriend is and being a dentist than she cares about wrestling and whatever else she said, I'm like, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever come out and just like 
especially when like other like everyone's gonna say that stuff already about this division why would you like repeat it and not especially if you're not going to have like a baby face come out and like counter promo them and say no you're wrong this is this is what you know what the truth actually is right and then tonight chris statlander wins a match to make her the number one contender they said she's wrestling riho on the first show of the new year great that sounds like it'll be a fun match but it's immediately cut off by an angle where uh uh, where chris is attacked by brandy and uh and brandy's uh, nightmare collective crew and it's like okay so the world champion the women's world champion and her number one contender are just a backdrop to brandy okay make brandy the champion then who cares like clearly you don't care about your women's belt (laughs) so just put it on brandy since she's the top star in the division or put it on kong or whatever put it on somebody in the nightmare collective because then at least the champion will be in, you know, will be the most pushed person on the show. Yeah, I got, I got, I got no counterpoint to that. All that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Sadie Gibbs has she been on Dynamite yet? She, I think she was on. She was in a tag match one week, maybe. <laughs> okay, because she made the save for Chris Statlander tonight, and. You would not know who she was in street clothes. And like she looks like a star, but you don't really know <laughs> who she is. So the right. announcers are pointing out, oh, that's Chris Statlander coming to the aid of <laughs> maybe oh, it's just every, every angle I think is bad <laughs> right now. Uh, so uh, they're going to take a couple weeks off and regroup. I'm going to do the same. <laughs> and uh, that is after this hellish week of a uh, bunch of <sighs> New Japan house shows and stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, big return coming this weekend. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I think tonight, actually, or tonight or tomorrow. I don't know. There's three shows in a row. One of them is immediately following our conversation here. So (laughs) looking forward to that. Uh, Is there anything else you want to get into on wrestling wise, or should I get into the, the, the TLC uh, chair, the shoot stairs match story, (laughs) the TLC and S yes. Um, Yeah. I think that about wraps us up for our, for our year of wrestling talk. Um, Like I said, uh, really liked the ladder match on TLC and, uh, Good that there was some good stuff. I really did like what I saw from NXT this week. I think they are NXT has been as you. I think you've mentioned this on the last couple of weeks of shows, but they're it's a very consistent, reliable show. Um, it's it's generally very good every week, and uh, I they did the right thing by putting the belt on on Rhea Ripley because she's feels like the biggest star they have at least in the women's division uh, on NXT right now and. I'm all for going with the hot hand and not uh, saying, ah, I don't think she's ready yet and beating her. And, uh, you know, and it's always kind of a risk when, when Triple H is booking your promotion that the heel's <laughs> just going to win clean. So I was, I was very happy that they just pulled the trigger and, and put the belt on her. So that's all good. There was some, so there's some good and some bad in wrestling this week. And, and in fact, in this year and, uh, on our first show of 2020, we'll be reviewing this year as a whole, but before we end this show and look forward to the new year, Ethan, it's time for the main event. And that is, of course, you retelling 
the greatest story in TWL history, and that is the story of your shoot stairs match. Right. So I was living in this uh, apartment. Uh, in a, in an expensive neighborhood in Baltimore, and so I had to share. I was basically renting a room, and I had three roommates. Uh, so there were two of us on the second floor, two of us on the third floor. The first floor was a business. So uh, four roommates, one apartment. Uh, not an ideal situation, but I couldn't afford to live in that neighborhood otherwise so that's what i did uh this is before i got married and my life was saved uh <laughs> so uh because you know you're in this situation where you're renting these cheap rooms and the lease was absolutely not enforceable like there was just like constant turnover in roommates like you couldn't keep somebody for more than like three months at a time. And there are pluses and minuses to that. It's like, if you didn't get along with somebody, you know, they were probably going to be gone pretty soon after. But on the other hand, the, the negative to that was that me, uh, trying to keep this overall good thing going, had to keep like going on Craigslist and try to find randos to fill, (laughs) to fill the rooms (laughs) Because if not, then the landlord was going to try to, you know, split the rent up among whoever was living there. So it just made more sense if, you know, you could keep four people in there. And uh, this required me going to Craigslist and posting, you know, roommate wanted ads and stuff. Not an ideal way to to do this. I should not have been the one doing this. The landlord should have. But regardless, (laughs) this presented. Ultimately, I think I had pretty good luck. But I also had really bad luck. <laughs> so um, at the time, there's this, uh, I'm going to change the names. There's a guy named Mike who lived on the second floor, on the third floor. There's a guy named, um, let's just call him, um, uh, what's Rusev's name? <laughs> Miroslav. We'll call him Miroslav. Miroslav and Mike lived on the third floor. And, uh, uh, Jill and I lived on the second floor. Everybody had their own room. So it's, uh, it's kind of late one night. I'm working an office job at the time. I got to be up at, you know, 730 in the morning or whatever. Hated my life. Uh, <laughs> but I could never sleep. So it's like, I forget. It, it was like one one thirty, one forty five in the morning. And whenever I went into my bedroom, 99 times out of 100, I locked the door just because I generally trusted the people that I lived with. But as I mentioned, I found them on Craigslist and, you know, you don't I didn't really do any background checks. So (laughs) so 99 times out of 100, I would lock my bedroom door for whatever reason on this one night in December, I did not lock my bedroom door. So it's one forty-five or something in the morning, and uh, you know you're poor when you have a floor mattress. Yes. Uh, so I had a floor mattress, and I'm laying on my bed and I'm listening to music or reading or just doing something, and 
uh, pretty sure I had headphones on. Anyway, and a door opens, and Miroslav is standing there. And I'm like, whoa, hey, man, what's up? And he says, we have to leave this house. (laughs) And I'm like, what? And then I, I stand up, and he, in the doorway, drops to his knees and clasps his hands together as if he's praying and says, please, we must leave this house. It's not safe. And I'm like, what do, what do you mean it's not safe? And he's like, we have to go now. And he starts banging on uh, Jill's door. And, you know, it's one something in the morning and he's waking up the whole house or whatever. And uh, he's like, there's going to be a fire. <laughs> like, like, what? So I'm standing in the doorway. Uh, Jill comes out of her room and he's like, uh, we have to go now. And then he starts to get more urgent and he's like jumping around and he's like, uh, we have to go. There's fire. There's fire. So I have on a hoodie pajama pants and he's like gesturing towards. All right. So I go to the door and there's you have to go down a large flight of steps to get from the second floor to the uh the parking pad which was the uh the exit to the 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 entrance to our apartment. Sure. So we I walk down the steps and I go out into the parking pad and it's a cold night. And I'm like, where's the fire? There's no fire. And he's like, no, there's a fire. There's a fire. Go, go. And he, he, he followed me down the steps to the yard. And then he charged back into the, uh, the building. And he went up to the third floor. And he dragged uh, Mike uh, down the steps from the third floor to the second floor, breaking one of Mike's ribs. <laughs> I would learn later. And... So Mike, meanwhile, is like just I hear like this commotion inside and I don't know what's going on. So then Miroslav comes running back down the steps and out into the yard. And he's like he looks at me. He's like, go, 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 go. And I'm like, okay, I guess he's still, you know, he's clearly not in his right mind. I don't know if he's drunk or he's on drugs or what the deal is. But he starts like chasing me. Or like he wants me to move away from the building with urgency, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna play along with this because I don't know what's going on, but I'm not equipped to deal with it. So I start like lightly trotting away. Meanwhile, I I am like calling nine one one on my phone because I've heard the commotion and the assault that happened inside <laughs> the building when he pulled our roommate down a flight of steps. So I'm on the phone nine one one, and. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, my roommate's going crazy. He just pulled our other roommate out of his room and pulled him down a flight of steps. Like, bad stuff's going on here. And they're like, okay, well, where are you? Meanwhile, he starts kind of like chasing me. And every time he would catch up to me, he would punch me. So it like whacks me in the back. And I'm like, I'm still on the phone with 911. And I'm like, I don't know where I am. Like right now I'm running I'm running away from my house. I'm like, all right, where's your house? And I give him the address. 
I'm like, but that's not where I am. That's not where we are. He's chasing me. So he starts chasing me uh, through the streets of Baltimore. And I had the thought, you know, I have my keys with me. Like, maybe I should have gotten in my car and tried to drive away. But I don't know. Like, you can second guess and third guess this all you want. But sure. So he starts chasing me through through the streets of Baltimore. And we're like a block from a, a like a bar district. And which is right up against the waterfront. And so it's like, you know, right around 2 a.m. or whatever bars are letting out. And I'm running on a cold winter night in December. I'm running through Fells Point in Baltimore in flip flops and pajamas being chased by a crazy man. And every time he catches up to me, he punches me and is like, no, go. (laughs) No, go. Every time he catches up to me, uh, he hits me, so I have no choice but to keep running. Eventually, he chases me to the water. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> on one side of me, there's water. I don't want to go in the water. Uh, on every other side of me, there's buildings. Obviously, one direction is the direction we just came from. And I'm kind of surrounded by, by buildings on the other two sides. Like, there's not a whole lot of places for me to go here. And also, uh, I'm tired and I've just sprinted like, you know, probably a mile uh, in flip flops. And so eventually, and he's younger and probably in better shape and also uh, psychotic and has like super psychotic strength. So he catches up to me. And eventually at some point, this becomes less about him being concerned that there's a fire and getting us out of the building safely and it becomes where he's agitated with me. And I'm not entirely clear why, but it doesn't matter. So meanwhile, I'm still on the phone with 911. So he starts I I like I'm out of breath and we are <laughs> running and we eventually stop near like this this we stop near some parked cars and he like punches the phone out of my hand. And my phone uh, slides under a parked car. So now I have my keys in my hand. I have my flip-flops. My phone's gone. And we start, uh, he's just wailing on my back and my arms with wild haymaker left and rights. And we kind of stumble towards this uh, flight of stairs that goes down from street level to like a basement entrance to this building. So this is the shoot stairs match. (laughs) We are now like tussling uh, near this flight of steps. And there are three things that I decided, by the way, when this like encounter became like, we're going to put our hair up and square up. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was like, my number one thing was like, I'm not going to fight back because like, I, I think he's not in his right mind. I don't want to go to jail like if I get hurt or if I hurt this guy. I'm not sure I could hurt this guy. If this ends up in a in a fight, I don't think I could take him. <laughs> so, right. one, I'm not going to fight him is, is the first choice I made. The second choice I made was I'm not going to lose my keys. Like, whatever happens, like, he knocked the phone out of my hand. Okay, I'm not going to, like go after the phone that's not gonna be my number one priority right now i'm not gonna give up my keys though so my keys are in my hand 
The third thing I decided was he's not he's not going to knock any of my teeth out. I'm not going to lose my keys. <laughs> I'm not going to lose my keys. And I'm not going to lose my teeth. And it's amazing, like as this is all happening and like a crazy person is chasing you through through the streets. It's amazing how slow time goes, <laughs> but like how fast your brain is able to move in a situation like that. Where like I was able to have the presence of mind even with a crazy person chasing me through the streets. <laughs> that like, okay, don't lose your keys and like let him punch your arms, hold up your arms, protect your face, uh, let him wail on your back or whatever, where it's not really gonna do any damage, but do not let him hit you in the face. So uh so we start tussling near these stairs and he pulls my hoodie up. Uh, over my head like like he's trying to hockey fight me <laughs> and um so i slip out of the hoodie now i'm now bare chested in pajama pants and flip-flops <laughs> uh on a, a winter night at 2 a.m in a bar district i'm sure i look completely insane mm-hmm so eventually he he punches himself out. I could feel as he's punching me, he's just wailing on me with these haymakers. And I feel obviously his energy is uh, depleting. And I have ultimately outlasted the, the flurry. And he starts to like try to push me down the stairs after uh but instead I slip out of the hoodie and uh, he then just kind of like finally runs out of gas and then slowly walks down the stairs and sits in the stairwell and just says, ah, I am tired. <laughs> so at that point, I like slowly back away from from the steps. And then once I'm about 15 feet away or so, I start running and I run and I get my phone and I call 911 back. And uh, eventually, this whole thing ends with uh, getting a, uh, what you call it, a restraining order against him, uh, getting him evicted from the uh, apartment. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was the story. I think the important note here is, though, you won. Well, you won or no I mean, in your professional he, fighting career. I mean, he went down the stairs and he tapped out. Right. So it's a verbal submission. I I think so. I I will take I am tired. Yeah. So <laughs> uh obviously he was apparently he had some kind of very serious mental health issues and was not taking medication that he was prescribed uh to uh battle those mental health issues or he had lost his insurance or something like that. Anyway, regardless, he was not taking medication that he needed to take and uh we had a shoot stairs match because of it. Yes, and as always, I like to add my little addendum, which is my side of the story, which is like maybe the day after it happened, me uh, texting you and saying, hey, you want to do a show tonight? And you responding, no, I was assaulted last night. So no, I do not want to talk about wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I've encountered police later that night. Like, first of all, as I'm running away from the scene where I was assaulted, I pass a police car, and I'm like, hey, man, I was just assaulted. And they're like, hey, you're the one who called in? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, where is he? I'm like, he's down a stairwell over there. And they're like, okay. So then I call 911. 
<laughs> and I'm like, hey, yeah, I called. Uh, I was the guy who was getting assaulted. Um, I don't know what the resolution to this was. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do if this guy tries to come back to the apartment tonight. So uh, the 911 operator, on like the third try, was very kind. It was like, all right, look, I'm going to stay on the phone with you until you get back to your apartment. And uh, we'll figure out what to do there. I don't think he's going to be come back to the apartment tonight. They're going to take him in and at least to the hospital, and you'll have at least 24 hours where you want to deal with him. So I uh, got back to the apartment. The police were there taking reports from the other two roommates. The other two roommates, by the way, uh, one of them, Jill, had the presence of mind to be like, hey, there's another roommate out there. Like, yeah, I know you I, I know you, I know you took the one guy into the hospital or, or whatever, but there's another guy and he's missing. <laughs> right. Uh, but, the, but the police didn't care. So they took a report from those two roommates. So then later, like a half hour after that, I go out on the street and I fly down a police officer and I'm like, hey, I want to try to make sure that this guy doesn't come back here tonight because I was assaulted. And the police officer goes, you weren't assaulted. <laughs> mm. I'm like, okay. And I just walked away from the guy. So, uh, he knew the story, by the way. He, he had heard the call and knew the report and was like, no, you weren't assaulted. Yes, I was assaulted. I don't know what he was trying to, what kind of nuance he was trying to argue, but uh, he was wrong. So. Maybe, maybe read the room next time, officer. No, that's officer really... well actually yeah so alright uh, yeah and cool thus, and thus ends the tradition that we have just created <laughs> based somewhat on a David Letterman tradition where he would bring a random guest back every single year to tell the same story and that's now our tradition on this show is that but instead of a random guest it's it's you and you, in fact, will tell the story again next year. Uh, and it is, in fact, the greatest story in TWL <laughs> history. I'm going to have to go back, by the way, at some point and listen to like the first time that I told the story on this show. Because <laughs> I, I try not to think about it <laughs> too much. And I'm sure there are probably details that I've forgotten. But obviously, the main points are roommate, roommate thinks there's a fire, chases me out of the house punches me we have a shoot stairs match and uh <laughs> and i win and i yes. don't lose my i don't lose my teeth or my keys <laughs> i think you got all the major ones all right well uh merry christmas happy holidays everybody and uh till next time i'm ethan and i'm liam we'll be back uh very soon with more stories from the rest of my life happy holidays does your granny Tell you that the old songs are the best. She be up and rock and rolling with the rest. So here it is. Merry Christmas. Everybody's having fun. Merry Christmas. I've been waiting for you. You know, Christmas is always my favorite time of year. And I'm glad you're here in my living room to enjoy it. <laughs> Mrs. Claus must have made the cocoa this year. <laughs> now, at Christmas time, we all have our favorite things, but mine is singing Christmas carols. 
my favorite Christmas because I'm a little embarrassed, but it's the, the 12 days of Christmas. But I, I have something special for you because not only are we all going to do it together, I have the number one fan in the world of the Roddy Piper President Club. His name is Craig. Craig, come on in here. Hi, Craig. Hi, Mr. Rowdy. Piper, Mr. Piper. Roddy. Roddy. Yeah, Roddy. Roddy. You look great. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming. Say hello. Hi. So what we're going to do is, is Grandma up? Okay, cool. Now, we're going to sing the 12 days of Christmas. Okay? So are you going to start us out? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, just one more time. You did that twice in a row. That was good. Okay. <clears throat> On the first day of Christmas, Roddy Piper gave to me <laughs> a sleeper hole just for you. Got eleven more of these. <laughs> On the second day of Christmas, Roddy Piper gave to me. And a sleeper hold for you. Get up. You know, you know, maybe we should just go to the end because Christmas will be gone by the time we get through the song and it's so much fun, okay? So get Granny up and, and, and let here we go. We'll just start at 12. On the 12th day of Christmas, Roddy Piper gave to me... Twelve and lots, eleven kidney shots, ten head butts, just relax, nine elbow smashes, eight uppercuts, seven low blows, six close lines, Terror shots. Two nipple twisties. And a sleeper hold just By the way, uh, I want to say happy birthday to my parents, Tristratus and Steve Austin. <laughs> All right. Hey, the president got impeached. Sure did. <sighs> Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard voted present. Yeah, that's... I guess she's lining up her career as a Fox <laughs> News analyst. Or <sighs> You know, she was in a she or her, I'm sorry, her dad was in a cult. No, that's like so a weird Hawaiian surf cult. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, there. Are, I mean, if you're going to join a cult, you should at least do one where there's surfing involved. And and it's in paradise, you know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, those are those are two important things to look at when you're shopping around for a cult. 
hot girl president. <laughs> Which would have been so nice. <laughs> Who's more calculated, her or Buttigieg? I mean, Buttigieg, I think because, like, there's, like, a paper trail of how he went about <laughs> everything in his life and how, yeah. like, from the, the the paper that won an award that he wrote in high school praising Bernie Sanders for never compromising and for fighting for all these things that uh, that needed to be, you know, that should be normal and, and not giving a damn about you know, partisanship or whether or not it was the popular thing. And then to like working for this, you know, this consulting firm that's done business with every shady company and government in the world and to uh, joining the military because he thought it would look good when he ran for office uh, to yeah. to his political career, which started out kind of, you know, touting a lot of popular leftist ideas. And then uh, he decided he wanted to be the president. And so he started uh, taking a more uh, centrist task from it and uh, once claimed to be for Medicare for all. And then weird thing happened. He got, he, he got a lot of money from, uh, from medic people in the uh, medical insurance field. And uh, mm. now he's not, he's not such a big fan of Medicare for all. Um, you know, his, his position has evolved. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, it's like Tulsi Gabbard was raised by a crazy right wing radio host from Hawaii and she went to the military and wasn't so she's anti-interventionist uh, in, in the sense that, yes, she doesn't want troops on the ground, but it's not like she's like she doesn't mind when like we're drone striking weddings as long as like American troops aren't personally going into harm's way. But at least you can see like where some of her logic comes from of why she believes what she believes. Whereas Buttigieg looks like a guy who just has focus tested. And uh, also he was friends with Mark Zuckerberg and uh, like who I truly think is like one of the worst people <laughs> ever. And yeah. uh, as far as like a non like genocide causer. Oh, actually, that's not even true because <laughs> Facebook was absolutely complicit in a genocide in Myanmar. So, um, but as long as someone like a, a dictator, a Stalin, a Hitler, like, he's one of the worst people that's ever existed and Pete Buttigieg was friends with him. So, uh, yeah, that's, I think Pete is worse even though I also don't think uh, Tulsi is, is great either. Alright. I, yeah, I at least uh she was trying in the whatever the first debate was where she was like trying to explain how she used to hate gay people or something. <laughs> it's like, well, it's because I was brought up in a religious home where we were taught that. It's like, well, you know, I can kind of sympathize with that. <laughs> like sure. I understand, I understand that. Uh, everything since then, it's a lot harder to, you know, <laughs> a lot harder to explain yeah. away. When By she's way, like this really is... good friends with Steve Bannon, like, it's like, Oh, Oh, that's, yeah, this bad. is troublesome. This is troublesome and problematic. Get ready. Hang on to something. Please welcome Darlene Love.
Very simple. Darlene Love, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll be right back, everybody. I try to keep on keeping on.